Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Don't you wish your day started like that? How are you doing this morning? Now, are anyone still mourning a little bit about the Seahawks? Yeah, you are. It's going to be okay. There's next year, uh, and I'm glad that you're here today. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, and we are finishing out a series called Better uh, This Year. And what we're looking at are some habits and principles around spiritual growth, steps that we are taking as a church. But today, I want to look at what does it mean for you to have a better this year life with Jesus Christ? Because I think that's what we all want to step into. I mean, we all, uh, around the first of the year, uh, we have, you know, financial goals, health goals, all of that. And in fact, this year, I am going to do the Gold's uh, Gym uh, Fitness Challenge. Uh, I I decided that I needed a little bit help there. Uh, As I went in, I, I, I saw, you know, and they have the motivational pictures. And I'm like, hey, I can do that. And then I realized it was a before picture. And so I've got a little bit of work to do just to let you know. Uh, well, see, so think about this. We all have this concept. We know what there looks like and we know what here looks like. But how do we get from here to there? You think about that when it comes to uh, your finances, when it comes to your career, when it comes to your faith, uh, when it comes to relationships that matter. But especially in our spiritual life. How do we go from here to there? I mean, we see people who maybe are going further faster than we are. And when we're wondering, how did it happen for them? I was at a pastor's uh, get-together with pastors who are pastoring growing churches along the West Coast. And there was one guy uh, who was uh, there uh, fairly young guy, and uh, he had pastored a church he planted five years ago. It's grown to about uh, 800 people, and uh, I started talking to him. You know, he's from L.A., you know, and born and raised in L.A. and Long Beach, and uh, I was, I just wanted to know his background. I'm like, well, how do you, and you had a church that just started five years ago. There's over 800 people a weekend, and I'm like, what did you do before you pastored this church? And he goes, I was in prison. And I'm like, well, I went to seminary. The, uh, <laughs> and what is the one thing you should never ask someone when they said they've been in prison? What were you in for? What do you think I asked him? What were you in for? He looks at me, does not miss a beat, and he goes, murder. And I weighed every word I said after that. <laughs> I just want to let you know. And uh, he, he described his life, how uh, he went at 16 years old. He was part of a gang and, and was uh, convicted to life in prison as accessory to a murder. And uh, how, what that was like. A year into prison, he served 16 years in prison. And a year into it, he decided to follow Jesus Christ. What he thought was he would be following Jesus for the rest of his life in prison. 
One of the things he did, the penal system, especially in California, is segregated primarily based on a race, and so people don't mix much. And he, he's a Hispanic guy, and he just starts sharing his faith with people who are, uh, you know, Hispanic, white, black, you name it. And he described how he got beat up a few times uh, because he just believed that everyone should be included when it comes to faith. And I hear a story like that and thinking, okay, if something happened like that, I could see how I would be willing to risk everything. But then I think about, well, God's given me so much, given me a great church family, great family, Not, don't have near the struggles I can't imagine living day to day as a 16-year-old in a prison. And so why not say, God, what would it look like for me to go further, faster in my faith. In fact, God, I want to become what I already believe. For some of you, you say, I don't even believe yet. And that is important. In fact, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But today, I want to look at more the practical part of how do I become what I believe. Romans 12.1, it, it gives us a goal there. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So I see that, and I'm like, okay, holy and pleasing to God. How do I get there? Well, and often what we do is we'll buy into a system or, or uh, some sort of formula in fact, there's common approaches to spiritual growth. Maybe you've participated in one of these. One is just uh, to oversimplify it. To say, hey, it's just, you know, three easy steps and you're going to, you know, it's going to be easy peasy, not a big deal. Spiritual growth is challenging, but it's very doable. And in fact, if you're sort of a non-church person, I say it as someone who never grew up with any of the Bible or Sunday school stories, not even going on Christmas Eve or Easter to church, that when I was introduced to Jesus, I realized that I could take these steps of faith and have the life that the Bible promises with God, that it can be meaningful. See, otherwise what happens, if we don't oversimplify it, sometimes people will create a rule book. And it's just like, okay, these are the rules. And God will love you more if you keep the rules. By the way, usually the rules aren't all that biblical as well. I remember uh, one time, uh, someone. this was uh, early on here, someone was doubting my spirituality. Do you know why? Because I preached in jeans. And I'm like, you're right, that proves I worship Satan every day. I see how I can lead people. As, I, really? I wish I could. I mean, it's funny now. But what happened is, it happened with the Pharisees. We read about the Pharisees in the Bible. And they added over 600 extra rules to God's law. Because they wanted to manage God's law. In fact, I was at a pastor's conference. Guy goes, hey man, I got it. It's a simple path for spiritual growth. And, and he laid this out, and he was so proud because it was so simple. This is what he came up with. <laughs> and literally, the pastors thought, I can't do this. And so we come up with these rules. Or maybe what will happen is we'll just give up. And we'll just say, you know what, uh, this is something that I can't accomplish. Here's what the Bible teaches us. So I, I think there's a fourth way 
And that's where we discern some habits and principles of growth for us to go further, faster in our faith. And it starts with a relationship with God given through grace through Jesus Christ. And that is so important for us to understand this. And in fact, we learned that uh, primarily throughout the scripture, but in the book of Romans where we're looking today, we get the, the book, the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans are uh, really known as the theology book of the New Testament. It talks about creation and God's grace and what happens for people who've never heard about him and, and, and uh, what, what's God's plan for humanity. And so for 11 chapters, it goes through, hey, these are important things to believe. And then in chapter 12, it takes a turn. And it takes a turn to, hey, how do I live this out? And that's what I want to look at today. So how can we move towards a vibrant faith? I believe the first part is simple, is tell yourself a different story. And that begins in, in our mind, in our heart, in our mind. Romans 12, 2, it says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That God has to work in our mind that often our thinking can uh, really get off kilter a little bit. That we can uh, start to... Uh, well, it's sort of like this. Okay, now, I don't know about you. Uh, the election was in November, right? But it seems like uh, people, it just in general, I don't want to get political or anything like that. But some of you are freaking out too much still. And uh, some of you, you are. And I said this, and literally, I, I mean, hey, I have friends. I have friends. I have friends who... Uh, we're at the inauguration cheering. I have friends who are protesting. I have friends who don't care. I have friends who I defriended because they were talking too much about politics on Facebook. <laughs> uh, the question is, where's your hope? Because if your hope is in anything but Jesus Christ, one, it's not really true Christian faith, and it will disappoint you. Every politician, every party, and don't, I mean... Uh, I've shared this before. My undergraduate degree was in political science. I worked for a state senator. My family was pretty political. And I think I know enough about it to know that it's important. But if my mind is that's my only hope, then I'm going to get overexcited or overdespondent about that. I'm not saying don't get involved. But I am saying, where is your hope? See... What happened in, in society, in fact, Alvin Toffler, if you ever read his work, uh, there's one, he, he predicted the information age, wrote a book called Future Shock, and he described how information would increase and, and people would get stressed out and overwhelmed, and he said there would be one group of people who would be able to navigate it, and these are people who had made super decisions, and these aren't super good decisions, what he's describing is an overriding decision that people will make, and these decisions will help make every other decision for them. For example, uh, well, my own life. About 24 years ago, I made a super decision. I married Terry Oman. And uh, that was a super good decision, but it also has simplified my life. Like I had truly, uh, uh, I, it really is, uh, if, if I'm wondering what to do, uh, I just need to ask her. And so, uh, <laughs> so it really has uh, simplified my life. Uh, 
So uh, my wife and I both have strong personalities. And uh, that's why we love each other and passionate and why we've really funded several counselors' practices. So the, uh, uh, but 24 years ago, made that decision and said, you know what? Friday night, when I decided to go out, do you know what? I didn't have to figure out who I was going out with on Friday night. I didn't have to go through like my Rolodex or what? What's a Rolodex anyway? But the, uh, some of you are like, yeah, well, in the ancient world, uh, they brought out the stone tablets. And so, no, the, uh, but no, I, I, that decision, see, I made that decision. I don't make a decision what home to go home to. See, that, I made that super decision, made that decision. When we get in an argument, I don't need to decide, figure out who was right. Uh, so, there, So I'm having fun, but the stress that some of you are carrying with you, uh, by the way, I get stress, but I just want to tell you, you, you don't need to carry it. It's not something that happened to you. If you'll make the ultimate decision that I, I, I'm going to follow God, that I believe he's real and he's got a plan for my life. That will make decisions easy. Otherwise, even at church, you're going to get stressed out. We, we say here, we say, say yes to God even before you know what he's asking. Well, what does that mean? That means that God has the authority in my life to make decisions. Because otherwise, every day is like, okay, should I tell the truth or should I not tell the truth? Should I forgive or not forgive? Should I go to church or not go to church? Should I uh, help that person out or not help that person out? Should I give or should I? See, if I've made the big decision, then see, I know what my story is about. And I know who's directing my story. And n number two, let's skip to that one. Uh, important principle we find in Romans chapter 12 is to make it more than about you. And so often... Uh, so we hear that, and a lot of, okay, well, what, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to help people out, serve people? I'm not, I'm not even talking about that, you know, because it's like, we have almost, in our society, I, we have what I called forced altruism. Uh, for example, even, even in the schools, my kids' schools, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's great. All the kids do community service. Well, they do it because you can't graduate unless you do it. You know what they call that? That's called a labor camp. That's what that's called. <laughs> Uh, there's nothing, no, no, it really, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not altruistic. It, it's a forced punishment if you don't do it. That doesn't say anything about someone's heart. And see, what happens is, is we try to create a system, and it becomes like that. We punish you because your heart's not right, and, and that doesn't change your heart. That doesn't mean we're going to have uh, great, wonderful, uh, generous people. In fact, it's really interesting when you think about it, this generation thinks more about altruism and is the least generous we've had in, in generations. See, the system actually has gone the other way. But I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about someone who's there who can give you God's perspective when you've lost God's perspective. Have you ever, have you ever been there? I've been there. 
shared before after I became a Christian, making some real bad decisions in my life. And I was just down a path that I didn't think I could get out of. And someone, I, I don't think he knew what was going on in my life, but he sent me a scripture, Philippians 1, 6, it is in the Bible, and I've memorized it. Uh, in fact, I love it so much I have it on a coffee cup. <laughs> and it says, for he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. And I realized that it wasn't about me, it's about what God wanted to do in me. And I'm saying, I needed that encouragement. Who's encouraging you like that? Who's giving you God's perspective? I'm not talking about fluffy, uh, motivational talk. I'm talking about the creator of the universe who loves you, created you, controls history, who sent his son to pay the price for your sin. Do you have anyone who's giving you that perspective? Because there's a lot of people who will give you the other perspective. My, my mom came to know Jesus in her mid-50s and, and really had lived, you know, life sort of apart from God. And, and just so exciting to see my mom, as her faith took off on that point in her life. But uh, as I shared, she'd been married a uh, couple dozen times. No, actually, <laughs> only, only eight times, which uh, doesn't seem like a lot because I've said a couple dozen. And... Uh, <laughs> So, eight that I know about. So, there could have been. So, uh, and really some, you know, the stepfathers, some of them weren't great. In fact, after, you know, by the way, when you have that many stepparents, I just started using a, a numerical system at one point. And number seven wasn't a real good guy. Number seven, he was like, oh, you're stupid. And, and uh, when I was studying, you shouldn't even do it. You're going to, you might as well drop out of high school because you're stupid like me. And I'm like, well, you got that half right like you. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, he didn't enjoy my humor, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, I'll stop. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, it fell apart, I mean, inevitable. And uh, so, that I'd become a Christ follower. And there was a lady who led the youth group. She was, I mean, she, she had a pretty tough life. She uh, got married late and then was widowed with kids. And she supported kids, and she trusted, she led a youth group. I mean, like a big youth group. And uh, she was pushing 60 years old. And she would just take in strays, and I was one of them. And after I didn't really have a place to go, she said, hey, why don't you come stay with me? So I stayed with her and her kids and her three incontinent poodles that she had uh, in her house. <laughs> and no, I know, by the way, that's not a joke, the incontinent part, because I'd have to go get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom. And it would just be like landmines all over. And uh, yeah, you think that's gross. I could tell you more, but I won't. <laughs> Otherwise, lunch is ruined for you. So, but, but the truth is, she gave me a different perspective. And, uh, and I mean, part of it was spiritually, part of it educationally. Now, many of you know I went to University of Washington back when they used to let dumb people in. And, but I, I went there on uh, a scholarship. And... Uh, I never thought something like that would be possible. And she, she just pointed out some things, and the trajectory of my life was different because everyone else in my life were, was seeing different things. Some, some of you, maybe it comes to your past spiritually. Someone would say, uh, in fact, I had this said to me during a bad season of my life, you're gonna become a pastor? <laughs> Now, that's a joke, right? And I'm like, yeah, sort of. But maybe God could use someone like me. Maybe God could use someone like you. 
Or like my friend who at 16 years old got caught up in gang violence and now hundreds of people trans, being transformed. Just got an award from the mayor of Long Beach for the impact that he's making in the community. And so the question is, is am I available to that? It says this in the Bible, Romans uh, 12, 3 through 5, or 4 through 5. It says, uh, just as each of us has one body and many members, these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to the others. But God has a role for us. And, and, and here, here's the deal, by the way. Because I know for some of you, were, you were raised in like legalistic backgrounds and you got to follow the rules and do these 10 things. And, but others of you, you were taught what I call just, uh, you, you know, there's, there's no, when I believe there's nothing that comes after that. You know what Jesus said? He said, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. See, that's called the super decision. He said, when, when I went to the cross, you, don't, you can't earn that, but there's implications for your life. And so I, because of that decision to follow Jesus, I know that I want to be open to what he has. And then it goes on and it talks about our gifts, uh, and it says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. Teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then to give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The idea is that you and I have a role to play. And by the way, your faith is not going to really become transformational until you step into that. Until you say, God, I want to do what you want me to do. And that's why it says in Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love. Not out of obligation, in love. And see, part of this, it comes from number three. And this is, this is a weird sentence. I probably didn't, I have a hard time stating this in a sense. The third thing we learn in Romans, it has to do with our desires. And, and in fact, uh, many, you've heard of Augustine, if you've taken history, because he impacted uh, all of Western culture, uh, really world culture, in a sense. If you're Catholic, you learned about him as St. Augustine. And uh, he was a, a, a great thinker. Uh, he actually was not a, a Christ follower for uh, much of his life. And in fact, he, uh, you know, was a womanizer, then had a mistress, and then he did all sorts of, in, you know, wild living, all of that kind of thing. And his, his father actually encouraged him in that. His mother had become a Christ follower. He had friends who were on both sides of the aisle. See, the problem for him was not even belief. Philosophically, he was learned enough to, to believe some things about Jesus and who he was. He just had a hard time believing that it was possible for someone to actually follow Jesus because the rules will wear you out. You can try to do the right things. And, and he, he came to this conclusion, which in that day, in the fourth century, was revolutionary from what was being taught in many churches that day. That desire was not a bad thing. People said desire was a bad thing. And he, he said, no, desire is not a, a bad thing. In fact, uh, he called uh, those desires disordered desires. He says, I just need to desire the right thing. And that leads to point three. It's, it's seek to change what you want to do. See, 
I can make temporary changes in my life. But when I change what I want to do, that's a permanent change. Now, we know, uh, the funny thing is Augustine didn't know this. We know this scientifically. I mean, it's not even disputed uh, that we have habits and behaviors based on our neural pathways. That we will, that's why people struggle with addiction, because there's a pleasure center, and they just get in these patterns of behavior. And so that's why you're always going to default to that, unless you have a deeper pathway that actually is more pleasurable, in a sense, and he got this early on just by studying biblical theology. He said, if, if my desire for God can grow, then I believe a lot of these other things, I think those habits and patterns can change. Some of you have been working forever saying, I'm not, your whole faith is, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. And it's about all the things you don't want to do. How about thinking about what you will do? How about thinking about saying, God, will you open up my heart to you? In fact, in the Bible, it talks about passion in the positive sense. Uh, Romans 12, 11, it says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And then part of this is number four, intentionally developing some faith habits. We all have habits. We're a bundle of habits, good habits and bad habits. The question is, is where are habits uh, leading us? In fact, you get, look at the, the, the pattern that you see in the scripture, Romans 12, 12. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. And then it's, we get the how-to, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. It's describing some decisions that we, we make in our life. And so here... Here's how one person uh, puts it, uh, Chip Ingram in his book, True Spirituality. Uh, he comes, came up with a little simple word called bio to talk about some habits that will help you move forward in your faith. And so uh, for the word bio, each letter means something. And for the B is begin the day with God. And so I encourage you to try that. You might be like me and you say, hey, man, uh, how do I, you know, what does it mean to spend time with God? Just mean talk to God in prayer. Read the Bible can be helpful. And then maybe think about your day from that perspective. In fact, if you download the Timberlake app, there's a Bible application on that. We actually are right now in the middle of a devotional. If you want uh, us to connect you with any of that, that's great. So we, we are thinking is, is proper because we're saying, to God, hey, how do you want to be part of my day? Now, I know I'm talking to uh, the people at the 1115 service. You are not early, right? Many of you refer to this as the 1130 service. And uh, I'm not kidding. I hear it all the time. Uh, uh, and you wonder why we don't have music. We actually do. Uh, you just need to show up a little earlier every week. Uh, we have a great band. Uh, so just encourage you to do that. So, uh, the, so you're not a morning person. Just Maybe it's even five minutes earlier. And don't make this a rule, but it's just, it's just a pattern of behavior. It's that habit that can make a difference. And then I is uh, be in community weekly. Growth happens. I would love to tell you, all you needed to do is grow spiritually, is listen to me, Ben Sigmund, every weekend. That'll be, no. That's great. We gather together. I, I hopefully teach... Uh, the scriptures in a way that's practical and accurate. 
but when I connect with other people. I mean, we have uh, this growth, growth group season, and we have uh, groups that are going to study our next series, which is uh, based on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Be real, uh, we're going to get deep into it, but we're also going to be real practical in those relationships. By the way, uh, use those invites, invite zone. People always grow uh, during a relationship series. Even people aren't in, interested in church. They want to improve their relationships. So maybe be part of one of those groups, or a recovery group, or a grief share group, or a divorce group, or we have the group that's studying the Bible, or uh, marriage, we have our re-engage. I think we're going to have about, after this group, about 400 people who have been through our marriage ministry in uh, just about a year or so. And in that, you learn content, but you know it also happens relationship. Because you know how you're going to grow is not just by good content, by seeing someone else who's able to live it out. And so being in community uh, is essential. And maybe one of you, I know what's happened. Uh, you were maybe part of a weird uh, small group or growth group before. I know it happens. I know I'm not supposed to say that there are weird growth groups, but there are. <laughs> and, uh, and so there are. I mean, every once in a while you'll be in one and you're like, oh. But try it again. I've used it as an example. Uh, any of you have a bad meal? Yes. But you keep on eating, right? Because you believe there's better food out there. And so, just, just like that, I encourage you to take that step. It's not about what I want from you. It's what I want for you. And then O stands for, in bio, is be on mission with God 24-7. See, there's a ministry in the church. We all should probably be connected somewhere. But there's also my mission in the world. It's also saying, God, am I available to you on Monday? Am I available to you tomorrow when I have to face my coworkers, my boss? And am I going to show up differently because you're in my life? Not perfectly, but differently. It's funny, if, if you study uh, Romans chapter 12, most scholars, pastors, theologians, they end at verse 17, which I think is, uh, is an error. There's some who don't. Because it seems for some that uh, verse 18 is talking about something very different. But I believe that this is incredibly important for us to grow spiritually. And that's number five, to settle your yesterdays. This means those places in uh, your life where you've been hurt or you've hurt other people. Maybe you feel disconnected with God. And that we would settle our yesterdays. It says this in Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know what I love about that verse is how realistic it is. If it's possible. Now, that's not a, a, a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it's true. There are some people who it's just not going to be possible. It's not going to be possible to restore the relationship. You're still called to do the right thing, to to try to mend what you can't. But whatever is possible, that you would live at peace with everyone. And you know, ultimately, that comes to living at peace with God. See, we, we celebrate the fact that because of what Jesus has done, that I can live a in-response life when I receive what he's done for me. In fact, what we're going to do today is we're going to receive communion together. 
Now, if you come from, I know some of you come from different church backgrounds. I, I met someone uh, who was from another country, and they'd really never been uh, part of a church uh, before, and uh, they, they were like, what's this community about? Who's it for? Is it just for members? It's for anyone who has said yes to Jesus Christ. And so as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that as we come to you, we can have peace. God, I pray that uh, you would prepare our hearts as we come to the communion table. God, that we would, for some of us, we would settle our yesterdays. And maybe you're here today and you say, Ben, I don't, I don't think I, I really have that, that kind of relationship with God that you talk about. Well, it's possible because of what God has already decided to do, because of what he's done on your behalf. That when Jesus came and he laid down his life, it was to pay the price for every sin, past, present, and future. And you know what else? It was to mend that relationship with God. That there would be a way for you and that's what we celebrate today. And if you say, Ben, I'm not there yet. You know, you can be there. That You can, in this moment, right now, in this room, you can, you can do business with God. That you'd say something like this. Uh, and don't pray out loud. I'm not, I don't want to embarrass you. But you'd say something like this to God. God, I invite you into my life. Lord Jesus, I want the forgiveness that you offer and for you to, to call the shots, to be the leader of my life. I want to make this, this big, this super decision. And God, I just want this to, to define who I am from the inside out. And the Bible says when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, that that'll be a decision you will never regret not in this life or in the next. Scripture talks about how you were made for eternity. And when you say yes to Jesus, that whole scale of doing enough good or bad, you don't need to worry about it. The scale is abolished. Jesus has paid the price. And he wants to be with you now in this moment. God, I thank you for my friends who've made that decision today. God, we come to you and we ask that you would prepare our hearts as we remember what you've done on our behalf. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.